I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ozbeds Live from our Barangaroo Studios. Friday afternoon, we kick off the PM as usual with the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour, and it's Friday. Thank goodness it's Friday, the 5th of August. Uh, got a lot to get through today, and I love these two blokes because they're always full of great information. Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital and Claude Walker from A Rich Life Afternoon. Gents, how's your week been? Great, thanks. How about you? Yeah, Luke, Luke are, you, are you buoyed by the up, uplift in the market and particularly some of those tech stocks? Or do you think it's, oh, don't get too carried away? Well, I mean, if you give me the option, Koshi, of July versus, you know, the first six months of the year, I'll, I'll always take the, the up month. Um, look, I think everybody's still a little bit pessimistic on, on the rally. It, it feels, you know, bear market rally, relief rally, dead cat bounce, whatever you want to call it. It, it feels a little bit like that. Um, look, what, what I would say, though, is that a lot of the fundamental updates were in earnings season over in the US. We're about to enter the, the bulk of our earnings report in the next couple of weeks. Most trading updates have been pretty good. So I think, you know, the the, the earnings cliff that people, uh, I guess, are a little bit worried about because, you know, we've we've seen a lot of other indicators already roll over and the next one in line sort of, you know, corporate earnings and, and profits. Um, so far, we haven't really seen it. But of course, that's a backwards looking indicator. We're, we're getting, yeah. you know, the US's last quarter, we'll get um, the, the last six months for, for these businesses. So I think the forward outlook will be very mm. important this reporting season. So we'll wait and see what most companies say. But but look, yeah, I am, I am, I am buoyant if, if you know, Okay. want to call it that way. I think, you know, so far, so good. Um, and we'll wait and see what the outlook's look yeah. like. Uh, caught a bit of a theme from the uh, the panels on the call in the last uh, week or two has been really like the bounce. Not sure whether there's another leg down, but this bounce back is a good opportunity if you've still got any crap in your portfolio just to get rid of it because it's looking a whole lot better than it did in June. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's probably that's a reasonable take, I guess. I, um, I haven't personally had been using this bounce to take anything off the table yet because most of the... The stuff I had real questions about, I already reduced in position size. Uh, there's, a, there's a few stocks. I think one of them we'll talk about today, actually, which I have actually been bag holding as it is. I'm down quite a bit on that one. Uh, and yeah, basically at the moment, I still think that we probably still have the second half of this story, which is perhaps an earnings recession where actual earnings estimates and stuff come down. Yeah. And until then, I guess... People will be a bit jittery and, and I will be a little bit cautious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, guidance in this reporting season, I think, uh, takes on uh, certainly a new importance. Um, hey, let's take a look at the first five stocks we're going to get through this half hour. Smart Group, uh, OFX Group, 
Propel Funerals, Eight Common, and also Volpara. And stock of the day, um, we've been a bit uh, cheeky and asked the uh, uh, because it's a, it's a bit thin on the reporting season at the moment for today. Ask uh, the guys for their Friday buy, if you like, in terms of small caps. And uh, interesting, you you both come up with health related stocks. Uh, look, you've gone for uh, for Global Health that delivers uh, sort of a, a digital health solution uh, company. Yeah, so we've both got sort of that medical software space. Um, you know, global health, I won't shy away from it. It's been the, the ugly stepchild of the, the med tech space, Koshi, compare it to, you know, Prometicus, which Claude knows inside out is the, <laughs> is the gold standard. But even like a Max 7, Alcidian, which Claude will talk about, um, you know, global health is, is even a tear down from, from those guys. Um, but that being said, I, you know, it's, it's a stock I've held for a while, but have recently sort of really grown some conviction in the, in the near term outlook, but but also into that sort of medium longer term as well. Um, and, and the reason for that, it's not a true turnaround business, um, but it, it was probably a business that had some some untapped potential. Um, and a new CEO has, has come into the business, uh, mm. Michael Davies, his name is, um, and his background is from Macquarie Telecom. You know, Macquarie Telecom's been such oh, a fantastic yeah. business yeah. listed on the ASX for many, many years. Um, he was chief revenue officer at Macquarie Telecom and brought some some real, you know, enterprise um sales experience to the business and when he came on board about 12 months ago he, he was pretty honest with the market said that you know he had to put some structures and processes in place and it would take him 12 to 18 months before you really saw the, the rewards come through um, the market was probably a little bit skeptical at first or, or certainly took a step back and, and said you know we'll wait for the wait for the signs that it's actually happening uh, but I'll, I'll give him credit I, I think you're starting to see that now they've had a, a really good run of contract announcements over the last month or two um, you know in and of themselves individually they're not you know big material, large contracts, but add them all together. Um, and the business probably is, has got circa 25 to, to 30% revenue growth locked in over the mm. next year or two, um, just from these contracts I've announced recently. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a play on new manager coming in who, who's really going to unlock the, the potential okay. of the business. Um, and a bit of momentum now over the last couple of months, giving me that extra conviction to, to sort of go mm. from a hold to, to more of a buy. Interesting one. Uh, Claude, you, yours is Alcidian. Yes, that's right. So perhaps a little bit more of an established company than Global Health in the sense that it's got bigger and revenues essentially, and also operations established in the UK and Australia. Basically, I've written a lot about it on the website if you want to find out what it does, but basically it does workflow and hospital management to help get better, faster outcomes in terms of who needs to be in what bed, have they had the right tests, have they followed up on those tests, all that kind of thing. You can clearly see that there's a, a growing demand for it. And that is the nice bit about investing in med tech because you have this sort of mix of a sort of defensive industry in health with potentially sometimes you get really good growth and, and good mm. economics in these software companies as they can add new customers and they, one would hope, don't have to spend too much money implementing that. So it's relatively low cost expansion there. So. What I like about Acidian at the moment, similar, I was cautious on it, you know, the last six months, all of these cash burning growth companies have been hit hard, Acidian included. Yep. I've been fairly cautious and negative, even the last time I talked on Osby's about it, I was sort of saying, oh, I kind of like it, but not quite sure. We need to see if it gets to break even. Well, what happened is in its most recent quarterly, it had its strongest quarter ever in terms of free cash flow and also receipts from customers. 
that's a really strong sign. The company's talking about being basically break even, one would hope, from now on. Perhaps not every single quarter because the September quarter does tend to be a little bit weaker than that uh, June quarter. So it may not be a perfect run from here, but I think mm. it looks like the company's crossed over into cash flow positive. I would hope to see perhaps not a profit in FY2023, but certainly I would be hoping as a shareholder for a profit in FY2024. We could see it making that transition from, I guess, the really high-risk loss-making growth stocks to more of a profitability yep. uh, profit growth company, and, and that's what I'm interested in. So I actually bought some shares, some more shares yesterday. I already held some. Oh, okay. All right. Two interesting stocks to take a look at. All right. Uh, thank you for that. Let's get into the uh, stocks that you want us to uh, uh, to cover. And Claude, um, Julie uh, wants a view on Smart Group. Um, and Julie says, uh, uh, we bought Smart Group much higher price, watched it fall after someone tried to buy them out. I thought at least it must be a good company. Now I'm having second thoughts and thinking it's time to sell, although it does pay a good um, dividend. It's in um, um, salary packaging, uh, fleet management, payroll administration, that sort of area. Claude? Yes, that's right. So Julie makes a good point about the dividend. I'd say that's probably the number one reason that I'd own the company. And it does occasionally pay special dividends as well. So it can be quite generous yield there, but that's not always guaranteed. Uh, we also have a situation here where you'd argue the stock might be kind of cheap on its earnings. And that's because the nature of its business relies very heavily on novated leasing, which is essentially a process people go through to obtain a vehicle at lower expense, especially to the employee that relies on you know, buying it basically through their company and having a lower taxable income as a result and basically the result is that you get a bit of a cheaper vehicle uh, i don't think that this business really needs to exist for society to function in any way it's just a feature of the way the fringe benefit tax uh is run in this country a few years ago i think it was 2013 labor were thinking of getting rid of this sort of argu arguably regressive tax system and just having no like no incentive for this novated leasing to go on basically and so as a result of this risk, which I have no idea what the political risk is that that would happen again, but because of that risk, this stock sometimes trades a bit cheaper than it might deserve to. But that's also the kind of risk that I don't really love to play with. It's not my bread and butter. I'm trying to look for uh, secular growth stories that are going to mm. compound and create value over a mo even the ideal would be a multi-decade situation, but at least five, 10 years. This is a different kind of situation. I would look at it in terms of the dividend, but for me, it's just not my not my cup of tea at all. Okay, all right, Luke. Uh, it's had a had a bit of a bounce uh, since the horrible June, has it? Yeah, well, well June um, they they announced the loss of a of a major customer, Koshi, um, the Department of Education education and training in Victoria. Um, management said it represented about 5% of their revenues. Um, and that's a bit of a, you know, orange flag for this business because historically, you know, it's it's a mature, almost steady state business um, and it relies on, um, you know, maybe low single digit growth, but you've got a, a pretty locked in customer base that they generate some pretty healthy margins and, and definitely some very healthy cash flow um, as Claude alludes to, pay, pays a, a, very good, a very good dividend. Um, so you, you see the loss of a key customer and, and that sort of raises just a couple of alarm bells. Either 
you know, there's, there's maybe more competition in the space from a McMillan, McMillan Shakespeare and SG Fleet, um, whether that could lead to further customer losses or more likely maybe just lower yields across the space if, if you know, there's going to be more competition on price. So, you know, little alarm bells there, something to keep an eye on. But I generally agree with Claude. I think this is a mature business. Um, it, it trades on, you know, call it roughly 13 times earnings, but it'll never trade higher than that, as, as Claude alludes to, just with that regulatory risk. We've seen it play out once. Um, and it just doesn't have the same growth profile it had you know, rewind five years ago when there's a lot of acquisitions to be made. So I think you're there for the yield. I think if you're happy with, you know, 6% as a as a standard, but um, as Claude said, um, you know, cash can accrue on the balance sheet. And if there's no acquisitions to be made, you, you'll get a, a, a good special dividend every every maybe two or three years. So, you know, if you're happy with the yield, I think you can, you can easily own Smart Group. Um, just be aware of the regulatory risk um, and keep an eye on those customers also. But if you're there for capital growth, I'll, I'll probably look elsewhere, Koshi. Okay. All right. So I hold if you're in it, but uh, certainly not new money. All right. Uh, uh, Luke, Ben wants a view on uh, OFX Group, the big uh, online international payments uh, group, foreign exchange services for consumers uh, and business clients. Interestingly, Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets uh, about 45 minutes ago here on Ausbus was running through some sectors and like financials, uh, and he particularly likes the IFX chart at the moment amongst uh, all the financial plays. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm no chartist, but when I when I brought up the chart, I was you know shocked. Like this is a business that's performed really well. Um, you know, not just through July, like you know, like most have bounced, but um, even through the the whole of the year, as the, as the chart shows, yeah, it's had it's had a good a good year. Um, there's not many charts like that that aren't you know maybe uh, in the the coal or or um, you know oil space. So um, I was I was pretty surprised when I saw it. I, I did actually remember seeing their annual report. I think they report to a March financial year. So I think I saw their report back in May and thought it was quite strong but even so that chart still surprised me um i actually think a part of it koshi may be uh people sort of may be viewing ofx as a bit of a hedge on market volatility um mm-hmm. the reason being is that you know march 2020 when covid sort of first hit was actually the best month they've ever had in their in their company history so it's a business that can do well when you've got geopolitical volatility and you know money needs to to, to move quickly across borders when um enterprises in particular don't want to be holding certain currencies for too long and, and you know want to bring everything back to their home currency or or maybe vice versa um so i think maybe there's some of that you've got all these geopolitical tensions right now and we've seen ofx can perform well during those periods or certainly it's going to grow the business strongly um on the back of that good run i, I struggle to get too enthused other than you know as carl points out the chart looks very good and the momentum's mm-hmm. there fundamentally that valuation has now really started to creep up there um on just a reported earnings it's probably up towards sort of 20 26, 27 times. Um, I actually, they, they generate really good cash behind that though. So I sort of backed out a, a bit of a cash profit and I still have that about 15, 16 times, which is good. I, right. I think that's a fair price for the business. Um, but a bit like Smart Group, I don't think there's a business that's going to give you, you know, um, 20 or 30% profit growth into the next few years. It's a bit more of a mature, steady business. They've really got to work hard to keep and win customers because it's such a tight space, that commodity exchange. So I'd hold it if you're there. The momentum's good on the chart. For anyone looking on the sidelines, I think that that price is just a bit up there. So I'd wait, maybe a bit of a pullback. Okay. Uh, um, uh, What do you reckon, Claude? Uh, I'm almost laughing just listening to Luke say all that because it's as if he went inside my head and took all the good bits and then said it more eloquently himself. Oh, that's scary. Uh, 
<laughs> all I can really, all I can really add is that, you know, when I was looking at this a few months ago, I was highlighting it on on Ausbiz. If you look it up in June, saying look, there was also a bit of director buying at two dollars twenty, and I highlighted it in a segment, pretty much hitting those same points Luke did in terms of the feature of the business model benefiting from the current macro climate. The only other thing I would add is for me, it's more of a sociological trade about those kind of factors. I don't have a great deal of long-term confidence that this is in a really good business uh, and that it's going to be a good business with great economics that compound for many years. We can see its long-term history on the ASX. It has been up and down over the years. I think it is a little bit at the mercy of the cycle. Sometimes that benefits it, sometimes it doesn't. And I do think it's a tough competitive business. So pretty much exactly agree with Luke, just adding a little more thoughts on the long term there. I don't okay. think it's great, but I think this sociological trade is playing out. So all right. Luke said it all, really. Um, Claude, Henry wants a view on Propel Funeral Partners. They describe themselves as in the death care services business, uh, which is funeral homes, cremation, uh, cemeteries, and all that sort of uh, infrastructure. Did I read the other day they'd um, bought a, a pet cremation business as well? That's uh, that, uh, in Cairns. That is... Um, yeah. That is a massive growth area for all of these death care services, business, funeral directors, massive increases. Yeah, look, I imagine it is. That doesn't surprise me. Obviously, that's good a very margins. small part. <laughs> I'm not, I didn't know about the margins in the, in the pet cremation. I guess it's quite small compared to the overall business, but sure. you could definitely see them getting growth there. And also, they've been expanding in New Zealand. And I think that really the story here is expansion via acquisition. So you could almost argue that what the corporate entity does, it doesn't just run funeral um, businesses. It also just goes out and constantly buys them. And I think that's both the risk and the opportunity. You know, this is a fairly classic roll-up. But whereas some roll-ups have super, energy, uh, super obvious synergies and super obvious benefits of scale, uh, this one, perhaps not quite so much. And also, it's quite a capital intensive business with you have all the facilities and the uh, equipment and all of that kind of thing. So overall, it doesn't have those business features that make it stand out as a potentially high quality compounder over many years. However, the general idea is if they can buy the businesses from the private market at the right price, and then bring it into their business, get a little bit of benefit over having greater scale, then it could work and create value. And you know, that's what sort of seems to be happening at the moment. The share price is close enough to all-time highs, really, if you look at the long-term history of the business. For me, this is one that you would you could definitely buy on an attractive dividend yield, basically, because as we know, the demand for their services should be pretty solid. Obviously, it was hit actually by the pandemic because people couldn't gather for funerals. But going forward, you, you'd sort of expect over the long history of time that demand is going to be strong. So at the right price on the right dividend yield, it'd be one I'd look at right now. It's just too high for me to be interested in this kind of business. Not saying it's a bad business. It could be a yeah. hold if it's just a super long-term dividend hold. Okay. Uh, Luke, what do you think of Propel? The other big things um, we had in the small caps of, oh, a couple of months ago, one of the uh, the bosses of these, uh, and they were, they were saying that there's the big push to having licensed premises so you can have the wake at the uh, funeral home as well and uh, because everyone wants a party when they go now. 
Yeah, well, it's it's funny, Koshi, because you open up these presentations, it feels a bit weird, right? Because oh, they no. talk about average revenue <laughs> per funeral and all these metrics that you sort of think, you know, we're, we're talking about people that are dying here. But um, you're right. I mean, you know, they, they find ways to, um, you know, add, have value-added services, yep. I guess. Um, and and that's, that's certainly one of them. The pet funerals is, is another. Um, so I, I give them credit for that. Look, I, I think I agree with a lot of what Claude said. Um, I'm not a big fan of roll-ups, and, and Propel is, is definitely the lowest end of you know even that industry because you look at their presentation they talk about the businesses they've bought and they're all just separate you know disparate brands they just they, they buy a funeral home they don't rebrand it you know obviously there's they'll have some cost synergies and, and maybe able to source some things cheaper or having um, you know centralized back office costs but there's no revenue synergies to gain because you're just running all these separate brands just all over the country um, so you're really relying on that arbitrage between sort of public and, and private multiples which can work very well particularly if they're a smaller business but propels creeping up there you know nearly uh, over half a half a billion dollars in market cap um, and I agree with Claude it's just it's not cheap enough for me um, for, for this style of business. Again, a bit like OFX, I, I sort of worked out a bit of a cash profit number and I get about 25 times. I'd, I'd like to see that maybe even around 15. So I'd have to fall back a, a fair way before right. I'd get you know interested in a business like this. Um, I didn't actually look at a dividend yield um, as Claude was alluding to, but I'd suspect that'd be pretty low as well. That'd be another one where maybe if you were getting a maybe a four or five um, even six percent yield, you'd be more interested. Um, but otherwise, look, if you're there, I didn't see anything that, that I would sell this business. But but certainly for fresh money on the sidelines, I think okay. just that valuation. There's there's probably better ideas out there. All right, Luke. Uh, Finn wants a view on Eight Common, which is uh, again another platform uh, business software business expense management, uh, travel expenses for uh, a lot of uh, big companies and uh, government departments. Yeah, so disclosure, I own this one in Meriwether Capital. Um, you outlined it well, Koshi, expense management right. software. Um, historically, I think Claude might have some good charts. Um, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let him talk to that. But historically, the business have been around that break-even level. Um, they embarked on a bit of sort of capital spending to, to release a new product called Card Hero, which is basically digital disbursements and reimbursements. So replacing, you know, your traditional um, either paper-based or, um, you know, reimbursement through through um, payroll with a, uh, at, at the point of sale, digital card powered by EML, um, actually. So, you know, they, they sort of embarked on a bit of a spend for this product and probably haven't seen the traction I think they would have liked to have seen quickly. Um, that's just the nature of who this business targets. As, as you said, they target government and enterprise and, you know, big bureaucratic um, businesses or, or, or governments that just are slow to make decisions, slow to implement, slow to roll out. So, um, you know, I think management have been a little bit disappointed with how, how slow things have taken. But nonetheless, look, I, I still hold, um, you know, there's um, contracts they've got with governments and, and enterprises um, where I can see this business just on what's been contracted, um, going from about three and a half mil revenue to, to, you know, double digits in the next couple of years, you know, 10, 10 mil plus. Um, and, and I fully expect the business to, to tip into profitability at that mm. point. Um Certainly, that expense management software can be quite high margin. Um, but I must admit, you know, the market has certainly been a bit impatient around that, you know, wanting to see um, quick attraction and, and, and hitting that bottom line a bit faster, which is there, there's the chart there. So you can see the market's gotten a little impatient. The, the potential's there. Um, and the contracts have been won, which is what gives me the confidence. But um, dealing with these governments and, and, and um, enterprises, the, the implementation, the rollout's been a bit slower. So I still hold it. Um, I think, look, I actually think it's an interesting level if someone's on the sideline and willing 
willing to take the risk of a you know genuine micro cap. Um, but but for me, it's 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 a hold. Okay, uh, Claude. Well, that's interesting that Luke is feeling a little more subdued about eight common because I did I do think it is at an interesting juncture right now i think he's covered the story really well where we are at the moment it's just been a really tough time for businesses like that that are still burning cash and i did just tweet the chart that shows their receipts from customers which are at all-time highs right now and the fact that their free cash flow has actually been going down in the last couple of year or so essentially the story here is that Either that expected growth is going to come and then at the same time, one would hope they can keep their implementation costs under under control, which is why that they're not getting good operating leverage. And so it's a super high risk play right now. But if it works, I think that the stock will prove to be quite undervalued right now. So with the caveat being that this is a super high risk play and also with the other side of the story being that I long term, I'm actually not convinced this is an excellent business you'd hold forever. I still think potentially at current prices, it could be quite undervalued. So yeah. to me, I guess you could, I, I would, to me, I'm looking at it as a potential speculative buy right now. I don't own any shares, but it is at a low ebb and one would hope it improves from here. That's what it should be doing because they're saying they're spending more on implementing, which should re- lead to revenue in the future. But let's, on the other hand, the more prudent person would say, let's wait and see that free cash flow pop up. Okay, so come on. Are you, are you putting uh, it as a spec buy? I'll, I'll put it as a spec buy, okay. you know, but really just speculative, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll put the caveat on it. Um, Claude Holly wants a view on Volpara um, Health Technology, New Zealand company in medical device software, but um, particularly in breast imaging analytics seems to be its, uh, its sweet spot at the moment. What do you think of Volpara? Yeah, so Volpara is a company that I have followed for since listing. I think it's a great business that really helps uh, capture potential breast cancers earlier than otherwise would be the case, thus saving people's lives. The problem is, I was just looking back over my notes that I had a few years ago when I was making forecasts for this company. They've done fairly well on the actual growth in receipts from customers. It's just the fact that they have had what I would argue is like poor cost control or just yeah, not wanting to cut costs or have as not, as much discipline as they probably needed there. And as a result of that, that's why the share price is down so far because, yeah, look, it just looks like even in this most recent quarterly, the net operating investing cash outflow was up. Now, it's good that they're tracking that. That's important. But that, you know, is up again above $3.5 million for the quarter. You've just got this situation that doesn't work uh, in the long term, which is where you keep on growing revenues and but you just don't get any operating leverage there and costs keep going up so now there's a new ceo in i really admired the prior ceo i just don't think i think he was more in the growth mindset of just getting the business to scale and now there's a new ceo coming in these guys are a substantial business they have 34 million in new zealand dollars of annualized or contracted annualized recurring revenue that should be able to be profitable and she's talking about taking I think it was up to $8 million annual cost. Yes, up to New Zealand, $8 million annual cost out of business by in FY, by FY2024, basically. So if they can do that, the business starts getting towards break even and then it becomes a really interesting proposition. I almost considered buying recently in June when it got oh. actually went below its, re, its original IPO price, I think was 50 cents. And the stock after all these years when it's gone from 1 million revenue to 30 something million revenue, 
was actually below that IPO price. I thought, oh, just based on that alone, I should buy. I didn't buy. I'm sitting on the sidewalk lines because I want to see I want to see the free cash flow go in the right direction. Is it that much to ask? And this quarter, they broke my heart again and it went in the wrong direction. Oh. So there I am just waiting for the fundamental improvement because I want to own this business, but they just need to please get the costs in control. Well, that's a, that is a good discipline for uh, all investors who follow. Is that you fall in love with the stock, but you want to see it deliver free cash flow. If it doesn't, you just don't go in. Uh, well, ex- exactly. Even though the, the stock numbers. price... I thought I first bought this years and years ago at, at under 50 cents, but I think I've made a profit because I took some off the table when right. it was flying high and I don't own it now because basically, yeah, you have to keep yeah. valuing it. Of course, it has done capital raisings that time as well. I still support this business and I hope that it succeeds and I hope to be a shareholder again. Okay. just need to see, yeah, free cash flow S- coming at st- least. Still on the watch list. Uh, Luke, what do you think about Power? Um, it's actually one I've never looked too closely. And, and, and the main reason why, as Claude alludes to, when I do open up quarterly reports, even just a superficial look, um, you know, I've just never seen that leverage come through. Even even as receipts and revenue has increased, losses have only accelerated alongside it. Um, now, new CEOs come in, and, and yeah, I read the, the same announcement Claude did, the recent strategic review. Um, that sounds really positive, and it's the, it's the path they need to take, you know, taking some costs out of the business. Hopefully, they're not cutting too much muscle out. Maybe there is some fat there that's sort of built up over a few years um so fingers crossed you know can still grow strongly even on a a bit of a reduced cost base um look the the biggest issue i have is sort of as claude alluded to it's it's you know i I need to show me the money sort of thing koshi um where the strategic review the new ceo is sort of saying they can hit that free cash flow um positive mark by fourth quarter 24 so about two years um and think they can do so with the current cash in the bank, which is only about, I did jot it down, um, 15 mil. But as Claude said, I mean, you know, with the current cash burn at three and a half, um, and that accelerated, the maths to me just doesn't make sense. I, I still think there's another capital raise here somewhere. If right. not, you'd be cutting it extremely thin. So I think Claude's got the right idea. You can certainly be interested in this business, put on your watch list, you know, keep an eye on it because it's in the right space. Um, but just, you know, you just sit back and, and, and make sure that, that strategic review, that path is, you know, they're, they're sticking to the path they said they would and you can jump in at a, at a later date. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the first five stocks. Uh, uh, Friday, small cap picks, uh, Global Health from uh, from Luke and our city and from Claude. Uh, Smart Group, uh, no from both. According to Luke, if you're in it, yep, still worth holding it. Nothing wrong with the business. Uh, very similar with uh, OFX, uh, same opinion from both. Uh, Propel Funerals, a no from both. Uh, Eight Common, a speculative buy from uh, from Claude, uh, a hold from Luke, and uh, Volpara is a no from both as well. Uh, the call is tracking its, uh, its own high conviction fantasy fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is um, the monthly meeting is up live for you to watch on osbiz.com. Uh, let's check how the portfolio, the last meeting heading into August, Ordinate was removed um, to uh, take some profits. Oz Minerals uh, added and the holding in, in Woodside was increased. And we'll update you next week on how the portfolio is travelling. So keep sending in your requests uh, because to the call because that's the first filter for stocks to get to the investment committee. 
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, second half hour of the call, we'll be chatting about Cluey Medical Developments International, TZ Limited, Silk Laser, and also Early Pay. Uh, Claude uh, Curvet wants a view on Cluey, the big ed, ed tech uh, tutoring and ed, educational support group. Uh, Curvet says, I bought the stock during the pandemic, struggling to understand why it's underperforming. Uh, from the panel, revenue growth has been strong, uh, strong growth in customers, small debt, uh, strong cash on the balance sheet and uh, a strong internal shareholding. Uh, can you see if I should be patient on this or just cut my losses and move on to better things? Good questions from Kervit. Who should jump in? Oh, sorry, it's me. Yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. uh, yeah, so... Absolutely. Uh, look, they're good questions. And I think to answer it bluntly, it's the reason it's probably down is because it doesn't make a profit and it's got the cash burn. And in the last six months, basically all the companies that have that those features have been down. And I should also say here that I have, I guess, in a way, it's a you know conflict of interest when talking about Cluey because I own shares in one of their competitors of sorts, which is Kit McGrath Education. So I guess keep that in mind. But look, the thing for me when I look at Bluey is I'm sitting there scratching my head because I just don't know how they have license to, to lose so much money in trying to uh, attract customers to their online tutoring business. So if we look at their most recent quarterly, they had 11.2 million in receipts from customers and staff costs, which, you know, is basically just to deliver those lessons of almost 10 million. So really not a very big gap between how much they're bringing in selling a service and how much it's costing them mm. to provide that service. And in the meantime, in the last 12 months, they've burnt through, you know, just about 17 million, a little bit more than 17 million in cash uh, in building this business. And, and yeah, they're getting some real scale and, uh, and that's great to see. But that's a lot of cash burn. They've got about 24 million in the actual uh, bank account, I guess as an analyst, my primary interest in Cluey has just been how long will people keep giving them money to do this? Yep. Because they spend um, in the last quarter alone $3.6 in advertising and marketing. You know, that's bad for Kit McGrath because it's it's the money-losing business just throwing money at advertising. That's never good to have in a competitor. In terms of actually investing in the competitor myself, I'm not keen on it at all. Um but it definitely it does amaze me well, that you've, it you've, you've got a good take on it because you're already in a competitor, so you know the financial benchmarks of a competitor, and and obviously you've chosen Kit McGrath, same sector, better run business. Well, yeah, it's very. Dear. I wouldn't be so mean as to say that Cluey is. De I do think it's better run. That's true. I'm not saying right. Cluey's bad, but I much prefer Kit McGrath. Uh, because they're growing in a more measured way, still trying to grow multiple uh, growth initiatives, 
but they're also mostly being profitable. They've also right. paid a lot of dividends over the last few years. That kind of thing I love to see. And so I know that it's a sustainable business, even though there are ups and downs in, in business. This one has been around for 50 mm. years. This, these guys, clearly, they are losing a lot of money. I would be interested in having a look at them once they stabilize and start making a profit. Okay. Luke? Um, yeah, look, I own Kit McGrath also. I think uh, um, it's come up a few times. Um, so I, I sort of suspect Claude and I have a similar outcome, which is we, we both prefer that. But but I agree. Look, I think there's a lot of reasons to, to look at Cluey and have it on your watch list. Um, the growth being the main one. I mean, the business is, is like, you know, more than doubling year on year. Um, now, I, I suspect an element of that is you're probably selling a dollar for 50 cents. Um, you know, you, you look at that cash burn. Um, and, and I think it's pretty difficult to argue that there's, you know, at, at some point, I think they'll have to raise prices on their, on their core offering. Um, just as an example, they charge like $80 for a one-on-one lesson. Um, and, and so Kit McGrath's somewhere around that sort of number as well, but they split that across five or six students. So just at a, at, at a gross profit level, you know, you, you bring in, you bring in more revenue per, per tutor than that, that one-on-one. So I think that's the biggest issue I see with Cluey. Um, it's, it's certainly that um, build it and they will come model where you burn a lot of cash, that, that venture capital model of burning a lot of cash early on to try and build a platform or a brand. Uh, but the market's turn so quickly for businesses like this. So, you know, I've got it on my watch list and I do I do look at Cluey every time they reports just because of that Kit McGrath. Um, you know, always keep keep an eye on what competitors are doing. Um, if I either I owned Cluey or was on the sidelines looking at it, um, similar to Volpara just before, I just need to see more evidence that, that you're working towards that break even yeah. um, because it's just it's just not coming through in the numbers yet. Um, so, and, and that, that, that cash balance, it looks healthy um, as, as Kerbert pointed out, but, but with the burn, I mean, it's not a huge runway it's probably only about a year or so so um you know for me i I would i'd prefer kit mcgrath if you're if you you know want exposure to the space um otherwise i just sit on the sidelines and like valpara it's just you know you don't have to be there um before the the business sort of tips into a sustainable uh, position okay uh luke hannah wants a view on medical development international uh after its uh, latest update um uh, hannah's think you're buying um it's a, a healthcare company uh, mainly in pain relief and asthma um but uh it's famous for the uh the green stick that uh, the pentrox um, th- that most paramedics will uh, shove in you um, if if they pick you up and got a pro- and try to expand it into the US. Yeah, well, thankfully enough, I've never had to use the product, Koshi, the green whistle, but I have seen it in action, you know, playing local Oztag here on one of my mates. Um, and it worked. Look, you know, I can, I can vouch for the product from that point of view. Um, it's it's an interesting business. I suspect Claude will probably know this a bit better than me. I know he's written it up for Rich Life a few times, and, and I've, you know, always kept half an eye on the business, but have never owned it or, or looked really deeply into it. Um, they've just raised capital, $30 million at, at, at a $2 um, price. Um so, you know, that, that sort of shores up the balance sheet. But you sort of look at where the price has been, even in you know, recent years, like the last year or two, you know, probably as, if you're an existing holder, you probably would have liked a, a bit of a better price than the dilution you're getting at, at $2. Although, you know, it, it is entitlement right, so you can sort of maintain your, your ownership. And I think there's also some options that goes along with it. 
Um, the biggest thing I noticed, though, looking at this business is it used to be profitable, not much, like a mil, a mil or two a year, sort of between FY18 to FY20 sort of pre-COVID. Um, but it's now swung into some pretty heavy operating losses. Um, and and uh, like I said, Claude will know it better, so I, I'll let him maybe fill in some gaps. I suspect it's because they're switching to a direct selling model, a bit like Nanosonics, um, where you're taking on all the costs of that distribution yourself. They talk about fleshing out their European sales team and in particular, of France trying to drive some some sales there. So, you know, a lot of upfront costs need to come okay. on to, to, to build all that infra, infrastructure out before you can obviously sell into it. Um, the, the big catalyst for this one, even just sitting on the sidelines, you know, always being told the big catalyst is that US approval, the, the, mm. the, the drug that's used in Penthrox, I, I believe is actually banned in the US, but they're trying to get that overturned um, because of the way that it's you know used in the green whistle being different to the reasons why it was banned in the past. Um, so that's always been the big catalyst, but I do know that even in the um, capital raise presentation yesterday, they've sort of said that that trial that they're going to run in the US has been pushed back to calendar 2023. They're hoping to do it sort of late this year. So maybe, you know, a bit of a delay there, not not the best either. Um, look, I, I, I don't own it. Um, if you're there, I, I guess you would keep holding it. I mean, the business hasn't done anything to make you sell it. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't, I think it's one you, you can keep on your watch list. You know, they're, they're sometimes great businesses when they work, these medical device businesses. Um, but again, similar to Alpara, clearly we were just talking about those operating losses are so steep um, that you just don't have to be there mm. this early, I suppose. Um, okay. You can sort of wait to see some more traction come through. All right. Uh, Claude, what do you think? Yeah, so Luke's correct in his suspicion that the buildup of costs and therefore the commensurate losses are a result of taking control of their distribution in Europe, which is now showing some positive signs that it may be working. And also uh, this process of trying to get the product, the Green Whistle, approved in the USA. And it's not banned there anymore. They've just gotten permission to do their clinical trial, but so it's a, a still a long way away from uh, being able to be sold there. You know, the only other thing I would add is uh, there's a mea culpa in order here because I was on the call, you know, a, a year ago or something, and thought this was a buy at, tw- at more than twice the price and i've bought some myself and actually i'm sitting on a loss on this one and the reason that i got it wrong is because the costs i underestimated how much it was going to cost for them to do the changes they wanted to do in terms of the european model mm-hmm. and also in terms of uh, the fda and it's looked quite disappointing to me that they are raising capital at the current price the good thing is it's sort of done in a way that's fairly so I can just put in a little bit more money if I want to maintain my position at the same price. I haven't decided if I'm going to do that yet. I'm also just a little bit down on myself with this one. I still personally do think that at maturity, these guys will probably have a really nice business that's worth a lot more. Um, The leadership changed a couple of years ago. It's now Brent McGregor and Gordon Naylor. They worked in the Sequiris division of CSL where they took it from a loss-making venture into into a profitable one. So they could do it again. And there's also another person from CSL that came in around the same time or a little bit later, Mary Sontrop. So I do think that there's a good team leading it. But yeah, look, it's been a disappointment for me so far and I initially paid too high a price. So I, I guess I'd call it a, a hold right now because yeah, I'm not quite sure how much it's going to cost for them to turn it around and, and get it 
going in the US and in Europe. But once they do, I think it'll be a really good business. Okay. All right. Uh, Claude Sol wants a view on TZ Limited. He, he says, can Claude and Luke give me their view on this? Sold out a few months uh, back due to low conviction. Still interested in the story. Seems to have innovative and usable technology across a range of sectors with a range of big customers. Is it just a story? says Sol. I'm not worried about liquidity. I'm only 19 years of age and don't have much relative access to capital anyway, but uh, uh, it's in the, the development of intelligent devices and smart device systems. Um, Claude, what's, what's your advice to Sol on this? I think it's an interesting one to look at and to follow. Uh, to me, it's actually been listed quite a few years and it's a little bit of a Ghana company that I don't really believe really has. I have in the past had, you know, I just had in my notes that I had uh, some, I guess, questions about how comfortable I was, was with all the governance and stuff, but I don't really want to get into that now. Yeah. But it just, I had it in my notes from years ago, a little bit of, uh, I'm not 100% sure that it's my favorite kind of business to invest in and it has had a bit of an up and down history in the past. So it is one that I would probably sit on the sideline at best. Uh, but at the same time, I have to admit that I did look at the most you know, recent quarterlies and you could argue that there's some improvement there. But yeah, I just wait. I'd wait until this thing becomes a profitable business and, and well-established, more well-established, okay. more well-established than it is now. Uh, Lou? Um, I agree with that. I think Sol's got the right idea. It, just sit back and watch this. Um, the, the main reason I've got it on my broader watch list as well, Koshi, even before you know Sol had, had written in. Um, the main reason why is that when you go up into mid and large caps and you have businesses that have underperformed for a while but are starting to turn around, um, they're very well covered. You've got a ton of sell side brokers, some larger funds who own it. You know, um, the, the 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 potential of that turnaround is recognised very quickly, and the price often gets ahead of the of the turnaround. Um, but when you come down to these micro caps, that's not the case. And so you have the benefit of actually sitting back and waiting for the turnaround to come in. Um, and you can often get one or two, um, you know, earnings reports where you really see that momentum come back in, that swing to profitability. Um, and the share price could still be at levels currently like where they are today, around that 10 cents. So take advantage of that, Sol. Like, as, as you said, um, you're, you're younger with limited capital. You can sort of play in these illiquid areas. Um, the one benefit you've got is that there won't be a flood of capital coming into TZ as that, as that business turns around. So you can afford to wait. Um, I agree with Claude. The last update looked really interesting. Um, you know, they were talking about um, a, a record uh, half for revenue. Um, they were calling out potentially um, a $2 million of EBITDA profit. If I backwork the cash result they did, they fell short of that unless there were some working capital movements in there. So I need the full year report to dig in a little bit more. But again, that's the benefit we've got, Koshi. You can sit back, you can watch it, you can wait for the report, confirm that that, that sort of turnaround that you're waiting for happens. And I guarantee the share price, you know, like a, it won't be like a large cap where it can be up 50, 100% yeah. before it happens. You know, okay. Micros, you can you can really wait. Right, keep a watch on it. There you go, Sol. Thanks for, for sending that in. Um, look, Jason wants a view on Silk Laser Australia. They're in the uh, uh, skincare, laser hair removal, uh, skin treatment uh, clinics all around, the com- uh, all around the country. What do you think of uh, really cosmetic surgery people, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Look, this has come up for me, I think, 
two or three times on the call, and every time I've looked at it, I sort of come away with the same conclusion, which is it's not my style of business. We're talking about it with Propel before. I'm not a big fan of these roll-ups. Um, but, you know, if you were sort of interested in the business, I, there's a lot to like. And, um, you know, even just comparing it to Propel before, it's much cheaper. Um, trades on, on you know, I said Propel was about 25 times cash profit. These guys are closer to 10. Um, and, and like I said before, with roll-ups, you sort of want to get them early on where an acquisition that they make can just be much more accretive to a smaller base than a larger base. So Propel being a 500 mil market cap business, you know, really needs to go out and make 10, 20, $30 million acquisitions to really move the, the, the needle on their earnings. Whereas Silk, you know, 143 mil market cap, they can go out and buy, you know, a, a range of centers. The, the recent one they did was eight centers. That can still move the needle for them just on a, on a store basis just because they're, they're coming off that smaller base. Um, recent articles in the AFR that one of their competitors, um, Laser Clinics Australia, it's owned by KKR, the private equity firm. Um, they had to buy back a bunch of clinics from some from some disgruntled franchisees. And I don't think it's any coincidence that if you look at the latest yeah. um, Silk Laser announcements, they talk about it being, uh, they recently got five stars by the Australian Franchisee Association or something like that. So I think they're trying to play off, you know, <laughs> we're, we're doing much better than one of our peers from that point of view. Um, look, like I said, it's not my style of business. So, um, you know, I probably won't say buy Koshi just because, you know, I, I like Claude. I prefer those compounders I can see over many years and the history of roll-ups on the ASX. They, they struggle to do that over the really long term. Um, but just from a, you know, more strategic or shorter term point of view, I think this is a stock you'd actually do pretty well out of over the next maybe year or two. But you, you've got to watch them so closely, which is you know, sort of why I, I tend just to stick away. But um, I'd hold it if you're there for sure. Right. Okay. Claude? Yeah, so this is one that I guess could be interesting. I think it's probably a little bit too much of a recent listing for me to go into it just because I think when you have a roll-up like this, it's very hard to get a real understanding for the way the business will react throughout the economic cycle or even just during ups and downs if you hadn't had a long time to, to look at it. I also think you have the same exact same concern with franchise models. Uh, we Some franchise businesses are quite good some have actual real struggles. There are issues with that all over the place. I'm not saying that this one's bad at all, but it's just, I just want a longer period of time. But I did think that the point that Luke made about it being smaller and then having more legs in that growth from acquisition strategy, I think that is true. And it wouldn't be crazy to try and ride that. And that's the typical thing with with roll-ups is, and that, or at least roll-outs as well. You want to kind of get in early and... I could imagine that there's a lot of demand for this kind of business. Hard for me to really tell myself. I'm not closely tapped in with those kind of uh, re retail trends. So for me, I'd probably sit it out, just at least give yourself another couple of years or just year, one year now, uh, just to see how this business reacts when we have a bit of a bumpy economic time. Okay. Uh, our final stock, uh, Claude Wren, wants a view on early pay. Now, people would go, oh, no, not a buy now, pay later. Well, it's not. Uh, it's sort of invoice financing business, isn't it? Yeah, so that's right. And I think that we <laughs> may have talked about this before, but I essentially like it. I don't have all of my stocks in like little exciting growth stocks. Some of them I look for are dividend companies. And this to me looks like one of the more impressive or generous dividend yields on the oh, ASX. Right. On top of that, I'm also looking for that kind of alignment. So I I bought in, so I own some shares myself, and I bought in after one director bought $100,000 worth of shares in November last year. And you can also see that uh, the founding family um, 
own a lot of shares in the business. So I think there's alignment there and it's also been listed for quite a few years if we even look at the five-year chart. So generally speaking, I think in these lending businesses, because you always face a risk that when they're lending money on, say, on the basis of an invoice, if the person doesn't pay that invoice, then it's early pay that's going to lose out. So there is risk in this business and they make money by taking on that risk. But when you're dealing with this kind of risk, it's good to have aligned management with a long-term history of managing the company. And once they've got that, as long as they don't blow the company up and keep you know, carefully growing it, if they can then pay out a decent, nice dividend yield to shareholders, that's exactly what you want to see because that's how you're going to make money yeah. holding it. So yeah. that's why I own it. It's a dividend stock in my portfolio. It's not without risk because it is part of this lending um, industry. Okay. And uh, it's sort of... Uh, same, same, but different to Credit Corp, is it? Um, also, oh, Credit Corp buy in most of its business. Yeah, it's it's similar to part of Credit Corp's business, yes. I think, but most of Credit Corp's business is to do with buying debt. That's not quite the same, but it is actually similar where they're just yes. sort of, in a way, they're buying the invoices, invoices. right? You could put it that way in yeah. your head. Yeah, yeah. But that's essentially, you know, it is that sort of shorter-term lending, so... They can be quite a good business and Mm. one would hope less exposed to people not paying, but you do have to keep an eye on those bad debts because that can can really hurt any lending business. Uh, Luke? Yeah, look, disclosure, it's, it's a small position for, for me as well in the, in the Merriweather Fund. Um, I agree with Claude. Look, it's just it's objectively cheap, um, you know, sort of nine times earnings, 6.5% yield, um, but, but also some good growth in the business as well, um, organic and, and, you know, even potential for little bolt-ons they've made in the past. Um, I sort of, in my mind, I don't expect the business to attract much more than, you know, maybe a nine to 10 times um, multiple yield. So, you know, I expect capital growth to come from the business itself. But the yield, of, of course, it can be so capital light from an equity point of view, because it's, it's as Claude said, it's debt finance on the balance sheet. So you can pay out a, a you know, nice, healthy chunk of your earnings without having to retain it. Um, so from that point of view, look, I, I think it, it, it looks cheap, gives you a good yield, as, as Claude was talking about as well. Um, I agree with his points. You know, the main risk is just the exposure to essentially small, small medium businesses as we go into a more uncertain macro environment. Um, I, I actually think the invoice financing aspect of the business is probably not as um, uh, like exposed as what some people may think because oftentimes your debt, you know, you buy the invoice off a small business, but it's actually the, the, the um, you know, the business that's paying that invoice that, that you're taking the credit with credit risk with yes. and oftentimes they're actually larger businesses yes. and it's just that these small businesses are on terrible payment terms yep. because they're dealing with these large large enterprises um the segment i'll be a little bit more careful or, or just keeping an eye on they do some equipment financing as well which that's a space on the asx even think back to a silver chef or an access today right. um, there's a few blow-ups in the in the asx cemetery in that equipment finance space to, to right. small businesses so it's one i watch a bit more closely whenever they report but you know as court says and credit corp's a great um comparison koshi you know, when you're going to go into these small business finances, um, you, you want you want management teams who have been through a, a few cycles, and, and both Early Pay and Credit Corp have, and that's why you've got faith in them to to, to manage the business through whatever headwinds we, we may be facing. Yeah. So, what do you think of it? Oh, um, look, I'm just holding it for Merriweather. To be oh. honest, look, if, if I didn't have a position, I, I could anything under sub 50 cents, I think is a, a, a good price to buy. Um, you probably wait till after the report now because we're you know, a couple, probably two weeks away from the report. So you could just easily wait for the report, um, see what the numbers are, see what the outlook is and, and, and buy on the back of that. Um, but yeah, this is one I think gives you a great mix of, of growth mm. and, and yield. It's okay. fantastic for that. 
Good analysis. Luke Winchester from Merriweather Capital. Great to see you, mate. Claude Walker from uh, A Rich Life. Good to see you. Have a great weekend. Catch you next week. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, there, guys. All right, let's just recap the uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Chloe, um, a no from both uh, uh, Claude and Luke. They both prefer Kip McGrath in uh, in that space. Uh, medical development uh, uh, hold from both. Uh, Luke has it on its watch list. Uh, a no for TZ. Um, Silk Laser, uh, a no from Claude, a hold from Luke, um, and a hold on early pay from from both of them. Uh, if you'd like any uh, stocks for me to put to our uh, expert panel on any day, email them in, the call at ausbiz.com today or tweet us using the at TV handle. And a reminder, you can see all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio. Head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up next, the small caps. 